0: Wapak Naz is Love People, Loving People to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Before we begin, I'd like for you just to take just a second, okay? I know there's a little shuffling going on. um but I'd like for us to just pause for a second and can you do me a favor sometimes we need to gauge our life a little bit gauge where we are we took our pulse last September every week and we asked ourselves some very key simple questions how's your body feeling where's your mind and how's your soul? So I'd like for you to just take 30 seconds. Close your eyes. I don't want you to fall asleep because I know you're ready. You're almost there. But I'd like for you to breathe in your nose and out your, out your mouth. Feel your lungs. Just know that God is the God who gives you breath as you're breathing. How's your body right now? is it tired is it in pain what do you feel are you hungry because i am are you stressed what are the signs of your body right now now what's your mind saying are your thoughts everywhere what have been the narratives and the stories today that you've been telling yourself What are the things that you've been thinking about even during worship service? Are they good? Are they healthy? Are they negative? Now I'd like for you just to take a stock of your soul. Is your soul weary? Is it worn thin? Is it excited? is it filled or is it empty now as you're breathing in would you just verbally tell the lord i want what you have for me right now just go ahead and verbally tell him i want what you have for me right now for my today God, I want what you have for us. Give us today our daily bread. Amen.
1: <clears throat> Thank you, Stephen. How's everyone doing? Right. Are you? <laughs> so, <clears throat> the last. Two years. I was fighting a public battle. I was fighting a battle, and everyone could see it, except I wasn't aware of it for years. I wasn't really aware of it until I was in college, and this problem began to affect relationships that I had um, with family and friends. So, once I realized it was there, I started going to counseling for my anger issues. And after the first few weeks, uh, Dr. Eric, he's an actual doctor, (laughs) Dr. Eric asked me a very pointed question, is there something in your life that you aren't dealing with and you haven't forgiven yourself for? Okay, Eric, just call me out like that, I guess. While the question hurt because it shook my foundation of who I knew me to be, that question was needed for me to overcome my anger issues. Because for years, I had dealt with this private battle that I had told no one about. And it was affecting not just my life, but my relationship with God and my relationship with others. And so, Eric really began to push me to learn to forgive myself. Because what was happening was I was getting so angry with myself that it was beginning to flow out until, into the relationships and interactions I was having with everyone else around me. The key for me to get over my anger issues was forgiving myself. And that's where I want to go today have we forgiven ourselves? Maybe for you, it's you felt like sometimes you can be a bit of a bully, whether in school or in work or with relationships such as with family members. Maybe you've overreacted in a situation and you've hurt someone that you have loved the most for your whole life. Maybe you're dealing with some some sort of sexual issue. Maybe you're you're dealing with strained relationships with your, your kids and your spouse because you thought that the best way to provide for your family was to keep working and working and working. And finally, you've realized maybe I should spend time with my kids. Have we forgiven ourselves? Before I talk about forgiveness, I think we should... First talk about what unforgiveness is. What happens when we don't forgive? Some people th- claim it's a cause and effect. Some people claim that it's a reaction to the feelings inside us. Some people might see it more as a linear progression, like the five stages of grief. But what I've learned through, through counseling and just my own relationship with God Unforgiveness, it's a cycle. Now, the four stages that I have learned are there's control, a lack thereof of control. Then we get angry. We begin to resent um, either the person that harmed us or the thing that happened. Finally, we take action. And as I go through these four things, keep, keep in your mind you're driving on a busy road. Now, for me, it's Elida Road in Lima, where the mall is, and Rapid Fire, Panera Bread, all the fun places. But maybe it's 75, or you're on your way to uh, Marysville. But you're on a busy road. You're driving. You're controlling the safety of the situation by being a good driver, I hope. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, someone, a Toyota Prius, cuts you off. Then you get angry, right? Because you're no longer having control of the situation. You get angry at the person driving the Toyota Prius and you begin to resent them. In your head, you're thinking, man, this person is the worst driver I've ever seen in my life. Anyone who drives a Toyota Prius needs to retake their driving exam, (laughs) that resentment builds and we take action. Maybe it's as simple as cutting them back off, or if they're behind you, maybe you'll just very gingerly pull out of the, the stoplight. Or maybe you'll follow them to the parking lot they go to, you'll yell at them, call them all kinds of mean names, and then peel away in your Ford Focus. But what happens then after we take action? That resentment is still there. That anger is still there. And so then, when someone comes up in the Ford F-150 and cuts you off because they've got a big old truck, then you get angry at that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Zach, didn't mean to call you out. What we fail to realize is that when anger is present, resentment grows. And where that resentment grows, we we feel like that the best way to take care of something is with retaliation. That the answer to our our resentment is to retaliate against the thing that we have resentment for. But that leads us nowhere. So that's what unforgiveness is. That's what happens when you don't your, forgive yourself. So what is forgiveness? Well, we can look at culture and the world around us, and for the longest time growing up, I always heard, forgive and forget. What baloney. Who thought, who thought that that was a great idea to, to forgive? Because when we forget what happened, we just open ourselves up to more hurt yeah, we might be 20, 30, 40, but we'll be living like we were just born yesterday. I fully believe in seeing the good in people when possible, but we also have to look realistically. That good that I try to see in people is the change, that they'll start to change, but also knowing, yeah, they've hurt me in the past. And so, one of my professors, uh, the professor that took us to Israel, he had taught us that ancient Israelite culture, the way you moved forward was by looking back. They saw points A, B, C, and D led them to point E. And now they're faced with point F, which is a whole lot like point B. And so they can predict then that point G, I don't don't know, I'm... (laughs) That's embarrassing. might end up a whole lot like that previous point. Yeah, there, there might be possibility that it might change, but they have a good understanding of what's going on. They go forward in time by looking backwards. So, forgive and forget, that's out of the window. Well, based off of my experience and what I've learned with, with Dr. Eric and with God, forgiveness is about two things. Releasing the desire to control the justice that you want to happen, and releasing yourself from the enslavement of pain. Releasing. When we release the desire to act, we go back to the same idea of, does retaliation, relieve, resentment. From my experience, no, it doesn't. If that Toyota Prius cuts you off. You're still mad at them even if you do something about it, right? So who do we give it to then? Where do we shift the letting go to? Well, I've I, what I've learned is giving it to God. He, he is the one that's made everything. He's the one above everything, the only one able to act as just as is needed. If God sees fit to take justice, he will. If not, he won't. Our action, therefore, becomes our inaction. Our enslavement to pain. This past uh, Thursday, Friday, Stephen took me and some, some other people to the Global Leadership Summit. And one of the speakers was Condoleezza Rice. And she said, Own your past, but don't let it enslave you. Yeah, this stuff happened in my life, most of which were my choices. But I can't let their pain influence my life anymore. Because when I let the pain stay in my heart, the heart continues to hurt more. And each day it gets worse and worse and worse. And eventually that hurt grows into anger. Anger into resentment and resentment into hatred. Look forward by looking back. So how powerful is this forgiveness? How powerlessness is unforgiveness? Well, Jesus... In John 21, if you guys want to flip there. In John chapter 21, Jesus uses Peter's life to show us the powerfulness of forgiveness. I'm going to start in verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Did he he miss? I don't know Greek. Uh, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples, were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and said, we'll go with you. So they went out, and they got into the boat, but that night they were, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. When they did, they were able to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. So Simon Peter, a seasoned fisherman in his day, they had fished all night, exhausted, weary, tired. They're like, all right, let's head into shore. Now, Sea of Galilee, it's a pretty calm lake. It's a lake, not a sea. It's pretty small. It's pretty calm, they're coming in, they're still tired, they're still exhausted, but they see a man. Hey, have you got any fish? Why does this guy care, what does he know about fishing? No, we don't have any fish! Does it look like we have any fish? Have you tried throwing on the other side of the boat? What does this guy know about fishing? Well, Simon, we don't have anything else to do, might as well throw it over. Okay. Let's see what happens. When the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, as one does while fishing, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, probably over the limit. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples, after he was raised from the dead. So, they're fishing. They said, hey, I'm pretty sure that's Jesus. Peter, gotta get to Jesus. Gotta get to Jesus. Oh, no. And he lost his microphone. He's like, oh, what's up, Jesus? Um, You know, just chilling. Um... You want to bring the fish in? Gotta get the fish. Gotta get the fish. Gotta get the fish. Gotta get the fish. You want help? No, we gotta get the fish. We gotta get the fish. You want help, Peter? No, we gotta get the fish. Here's the fish. Okay, how about you take a seat? Gotta take a seat. Gotta take a seat. Right? Peter's rushing. He is excited to see Jesus. He is ecstatic. He is full of adrenaline. But the part of the story I want to focus on the next four verses. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus asked, take care of, and Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him for the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger you dressed yourself and went here where you wanted, but when you were old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. The, the three questions. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Based on the story and, and the surrounding text, it seems like Peter and Jesus are the only ones aware of the implication of the story. Um, it's this intimate language that they have, this This language that only they really know the true meaning of. For example, Dennis, what's the number one rule of riding a motorcycle? He's asleep, isn't he? (laughs) 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 Okay, but with other motorcycles, other motorcyclists. You wave. You stick your left hand out and wave. For years before I had my own motorcycle, I was like, "Oh, that's sweet. They're waving to each other." <laughs> but then I realized it's also more of a uh, "I want you to be safe." <laughs> it's a blessing upon the other biker to be safe. Um, another thing, Dad, with the ridgelines, what uh, what's the word? Ridgeline ri- drivers have associated with? NART. NART. It's an acronym for not a real truck, because everyone hates Honda Ridgelines because they're the most comfortable Ridgeline ever made, because they know how to build a truck. I said what I said, Zach. <laughs> 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 NART. They've embraced this language of NART, one, after being ridiculed forever, but then also they, they've they have really taken NART to mean something else. NART for them is a community word. It's a word f- that means way more to them than anyone else could ever mean for it. Or boat. I don't own a boat. I don't make enough to make a boat, to, to, to buy a boat, <coughs> Steven. Um, <laughs> but there's a certain boat culture as well. I don't know the boat culture. I don't own a boat. But it's that kind of, it's that kind of language. It's where, yeah, everyone else is aware there's a conversation going on, but they're all like, okay, they're having a conversation. They're doing their own thing using the words that they know. I think what indicates that is Simon, son of John, because after Peter is called, he's referred to as Peter, except by Jesus. Jesus always referred to him as Simon, son of John, What he's doing here in this conversation, what Jesus is doing in this conversation, is he's beginning to have a healthy conflict resolution conversation. That was a mouthful. He's saying, hey, Peter, do you remember when I called you? Do you remember that that one random day by the Sea of Galilee? So if we look back at Luke 5, the most detailed account of Peter's calling, if we look at that, we see... Pretty much everything is the same in these two stories. Peter goes out for fishing late at night. He catches nothing. This strange man that he doesn't recognize says, hey, let's go fishing. Have you put it on this side of the net? Or this side of the boat? No, but why not? I don't think better to do. Catches this enormous amount of fish, so much so that these two boats almost start sinking. First century boats were pretty good at not sinking, in the Sea of Galilee. So this much fish, one, definitely way over the limit, and two, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Providing a way for Peter to have some financial stability. And then third, the final thing, most important thing about this conversation is Jesus says, come and follow me. Jesus is reminding Peter of his story. Look, look at where you have came from. Look at the, story, the, the path that you decided to take to follow me. Because what Jesus does during the rest of this conversation is he deals with the hurt caused by Peter. See, in Luke 22, after Jesus is arrested, brought to the house of the high priest, Jesus does his little sneaky thing into the courtyard. It's really cold, so it must be winter time, and it's at night, and they gather around a fire, a fire made of coal, the same type of fire mentioned in John 21, and he's sitting there trying to warm up. Hey, aren't you with Jesus? No. A few minutes later, I'm pretty sure you're with Jesus. No, not with Jesus. No, I'm pretty sure I always saw you walk in with Jesus. "Mm, No, I don't think so. (laughs) Right? Jesus said, the sound of the rooster, you will have denied me three times. From that moment on, after Peter ran, Peter felt like everything that happened to Jesus was because of him. His his whipping, his crucifixion, and his death were because Peter left him there. That's what Peter was thinking. He lost control of the situation. He got angry with himself. He began to hate himself because of the fact that he led Jesus to his death, the greatest friend he's ever had, The clear Messiah. Something bigger that Peter could have been a part of. He didn't have to be some fisherman out of this random town in backwater Galilee. That's what's going on in Peter's mind. So Peter began to take action. To take vengeance. And he put himself in his own exile. He said, well... I guess it's time for me to go home. Time, to meet, time for me to go back to Capernaum. Resume my fishing career, I guess. And that's where Jesus found him. Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yeah, you know I love you. Simon, son of John, do you love me? You know, yeah, you know that I love you. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus, you know all things. you know that I love you. These three questions, they were asked to show Peter that he was forgiven. And when Jesus says, "Come and follow me once again," it's a doorway for Peter to forgive himself. In that moment, Jesus let go of control of the situation. So that Peter could act justly. So that Jesus could forgive Peter. Jesus let go of the pain so that Jesus could forgive Peter. And now Jesus is asking Peter to let go. Let go of this, of this self-imposed exile you've put yourself in. Thinking that you could never be good enough because of what you've done. Let go of that. Let go of the enslavement of the pain. Yeah, think about what you've done. Realize that it happened, but don't, don't let it control you any longer. Peter began to forgive himself that day. I don't think that without that forgiveness, Peter would have been able to lead the church. to be the first one at Pentecost to spread the good news. To be with John, to be whipped and praise about it because they got to do something amazing for the Lord and that they were worthy enough to be treated somewhat like Jesus was. And I learned to forgive myself by working with God and and dealing with what was going on inside to forgive myself. And for proof of that, I'm going to call Sandy out for a second. At GLS, Global Leadership Summit, I got up to see some friends, because it was uh, Lima Community's one of the host sites, and Lima Community's my own church, and so I was talking to some friends there. I left my phone on the table. Sandy decided to take my phone, give it to some other friends who were sitting behind me. So the last hour and a half, I'm like... Mm-hmm. I you guys see my phone? Steven, I can't find my phone. You want me to call it? No. <laughs> it's on vibrate. <laughs> well, it turns out, Sandy gave it to my friends. I already said that, sorry. So my friends come up and say, hey, let's take a picture. Okay. Pulls out my phone to take the selfie. Now, old me, and I think, I think um, some family, and friends that are here could probably agree with this. Where's my phone? I need my phone right now! Who's took my phone? Where is it? Really angry and hateful. <laughs> that was the old me, but thanks to God, I was able to work past that, and I'm able to say I don't deal with anger issues anymore. So what I want to challenge you guys with today embrace God's forgiveness. Because if we want to learn to forgive ourselves in a true way, we have to realize that true forgiveness first comes from God. Remember this by by remembering where we came from and where we're going. Remember that at one point we were a sinner in need of God's forgiveness, God's grace, and God's love. Remember that now we are transformed made into this even better image of Christ to be able to go into the world and change lives for people. Because when we don't forgive ourselves, we begin to limit our ability to do the good work. Peter's ability was limited until he began to forgive himself. I know there's some here that are thinking, well, what do I need forgiven for? Who's who's this God of love and grace and mercy? This week, I challenge you too. You might be uncomfortable. You might feel like you're talking to no one, but pray and ask God for forgiveness for anything in your life that's caused hurt to other people. Ask for forgiveness. He might not show up tomorrow. He might not show up on Wednesday or Friday. Maybe he'll show up Sunday morning of next week because when you invite God into your life God shows up God wants to be in your life but God realizes that we have free will we have self we have a way that we want to live and he won't go where he's not invited so this week invite him into your life invite him to bring you forgiveness invite him to show you who you are to him. Because once we see ourselves the way God sees us, we start to realize where we can grow and we start to see where God wants to work within our lives to transform us to be this beautiful creation that we were always destined to be. Invite God in. And as we close, I have two questions for you. What do you need to be forgiven for? Take your phone out, piece of paper, write it down. Sit in that. What do you need to be forgiven for? Secondly, what are you not forgiving yourself for? What are you holding yourself back for? is forgiveness going to be that roadblock God we thank you we thank you that you provided a way for us to be forgiven through your son and provided a way for us to really forgive ourselves as we go throughout this week let let the challenge continue to fester in our hearts and our minds. These questions, let them continue to press forward, to press us forward, and seeking to be whole and complete. Let us see Peter in his life as a demonstration of the powerfulness of forgiveness and what can happen once we really, truly forgive ourselves. We love you so much. I love you so much. Thank you for bringing me out of this, this dark past of mine, Lord. Thank you for being you who took me out of there. I love you, amen.
0: We firmly believe that God is a, a God of transformation, that he changes us from the inside out. Paul reminds us exactly of what he just said. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the, and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, And following the desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were natures of objects wrath. Nature, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of God's great love for us, for you and me, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Folks, it is by grace you've been saved. I want to remind you, not only have you been saved by grace, next week, right at the YMCA, two people that are a part of this body of Christ are going to declare publicly that they have been saved by grace. Their faith is going uh, going from private to public, very quickly. And I encourage you to be a part of that celebration. FYI, you don't need to bring a chair. (laughs) It's kind of (laughs) nice. However, (laughs) however, after the picnic, you might want to bring a chair. But I invite you, next Sunday, we won't be here. So if you show up, the doors are locked. We know that you're not listening. No, (laughs) I'm kidding. Just kidding. You'll have time to get over there. Be a part of that celebration. We're going to celebrate their life, their choice in faith. We're going to gather together. It's going to look a little different. It's in a different place. But we serve the same God who has done miraculous works in the lives of people, including you. So I invite you back. And I invite you to invite someone else. Would you please? It's a great day to invite someone into, into church who doesn't like going to the church. We're going to the why. And we're going to have some fun. Would you please stand? We hope the chairs will arrive by the end of the month. That'll be kind of nice. That'll be wonderful. But we hope that you arrive next week. God's always going to show up. He hopes... And we hope that you show up. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknaz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you. And that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.